This is Words That Move Me, the podcast where movers and shakers like you get the information and inspiration you need to navigate your creative career with clarity and confidence. I am your host, Master Mover, Dana Wilson. And if you're someone that loves to learn, laugh, and is looking to rewrite the starving artist story, then sit tight, but don't stop moving, because you're in the right place. My friend, my friend, this is Dana. Welcome to Words That Move Me. I have a treat for you today. I cannot wait to share this conversation with my very special guest, the one and only Miguel Zarate. And I mean, holy smokes, I really, I kind of want to jump right into it, but I also want to honor the format. So I will start with wins. And I'm also excited about my win this week. My win this week well, my win today, actually, is that I went to the nursery, and I don't mean human babies, I mean plant babies. I bought some new cactus succulent soil, and all of my little succulents will be getting repotted this week. I bought new pots for my spider plants, which were, they, they spider plants kind of like to be root bound, but I mean, the roots have been like springing out the top of the soil now for months, so they are getting an upgrade. I got a couple new friends because I couldn't help myself. And really, I went in and I feel great about it. So I'm celebrating my plant momness today. Um, and I am, that is like absolutely top win of the week. My house is becoming a plant house and I am becoming a plant person, a person with a green thumb and a person with a lot of ceramic pots, by the way. If you are in the Los Angeles or Sherman Oaks area and you need some pots, I think I will have too many after this trip because my plant babies are growing. Okay, that's my win. Now you go. It's going well in your world. Congratulations. Keep winning. I'm so jazzed for you. Okay, now, speaking of jazzed, you know me. I love a segue. I am jazzed about my guest today. Miguel has been a friend of mine for a very, very long time. We could talk for a very, very long time. And in this very short conversation, <laughs> relative to past conversations of ours, we go pretty deep. Um, we talk a lot about our roles in this industry as we perceive them. We talk a lot about our experience with sexuality, otherness, the colors of the sexual spectrum when it comes to being sexy and attractive and sensual and the difference between all of those things. Um, we talk about owning our work, producing our work, any harm in not paying dancers, and as if that weren't enough, the notion of art being the highest luxury that there is. So uh, <laughs> buckle up and get ready for the flame, the fire, the volume, the spice, the wonder that is Miguel Zorate. Enjoy. I know. This is exciting. This is really freaking exciting. 
Miguel Zarate. Welcome to Words That Move Me. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited. I'm more excited. Thank you for having me. I was feeling a certain way that I hadn't been asked yet. So oh. I, I run. I was like, you know what? This is kind of a sidebar, but a sidebar before the pre-bar, before the post-bar, before we go to the far bar, which is actually the far bar. Oh God, this is confusing. Sorry, y'all. We're really jumping into the deep end. Miguel and I met at a bar in Los Angeles called the Far Bar years and years and years ago. And we yes. had a conversation that went far. Like we yeah. covered religion, sexuality, the industry, our childhoods. Like we went really deep. And so ever since I started a podcast, I've been thinking about you. And I'm so glad it is happening now more than ever because I have some things that I want to talk about and I have things that I want to congratulate you on. And before we do any of that, because it is tradition here on the podcast, I would love for you to simply, simple, sometimes not so simple, introduce yourself and tell us whatever it is you would like us to know about you. Okay. Well, my name is Miguel Angel Zarate. And um, I consider myself, before anything else, um, a gay Mexican man and an artist. I used to identify more so as a choreographer. Uh, or as a dancer, but uh, I feel like that's that isn't who I am, and that that really narrows what I do. And um, I think I truly am an artist, living an artist's life. And I have different mediums. I believe that's the word. And and whenever they come into my spectrum or my mind, I therefore create the art based on that. And sometimes it's movement, sometimes it's film, sometimes it's my clothing, sometimes it's my hair. So I'm Miguel Angel Zarate, and I am a gay Mexican man who's also an artist. Uh, love that introduction. Thank you for that. And I'm, I'm glad that you started there because where I wanted to start is by kind of telling you, which I think you already know, but I love to just say it outright, um, I know that you've danced for big artists and I know that you've choreographed for big shows. I don't see you as fitting the classic description of dancer or choreographer. And I do see that as a strength. Yeah. Um, and I think that a lot of my listeners identify with that and agree with that. I really think my listeners are the uniquest snowflakes. And I think that you are too. <laughs> um, so what I, where I sort of wanted to start is ask you if you see it that way. Do you see yourself as fitting in? Do you see yourself as standing out? How do you perceive your role in, in this whole life thing? I love that question, to be honest. And um, it's changed. It's changed throughout the years as I would hope, I would hope so for most people, it would change, you know? Mm -hmm. But the industry when I came into it, which was in 2006, was very narrow-minded, and they reminded me of it every single day. I was reminded and constantly told at the beginning of my career that I was not the mold, and I did not look like a dancer, I did not dance like the dancer that they perceived me to be, and that, honestly, it just, it, it, it felt very closed doors, and it wasn't even like it felt like I took upon those feelings, they, the doors were closed on me for a really long time, and I was not allowed to be who I am now professionally for a long time. I say this respectfully, but I, I had, though I could dance like a man, and I say that with quotations, um, 
I never wanted to, but if I wanted to work, which I did because I loved dance and I had a big ego that needed to prove that I could be a working dancer. And also you wanted to survive with money yeah. and buy food and pay rent. <laughs> Literally live the dream. Um, I had to learn how to dance like that. And I had to not even learn. Learn is something I didn't have to learn. I had to decide that I was going to dance like that. Slowly but surely within the jobs and within people who started picking up on my magic uh, in in the rehearsal process, people like Jamal Sims early on uh, really were like, what are you doing? Like, you're, you're stifling yourself by not being you. Like, just be you and the jobs will come for you. Um, but, but you're, you're the same way I feel like you're extremely talented. Like you're an extreme, and I'm going to narrow it down. You're an extremely talented dancer. So when you have the gift of dance, you can really do it all. When you're not working based on the talent that you possess, you, it hurts, it hurts and it gets into your head and you start, you start questioning yourself. Because you see these jobs and you're like, but I'm that talented. And it doesn't stem from ego. It stems from fact. I'm that talented. Why aren't I working? How did you answer that question for yourself? Why am I not working? I, I, I finally had to accept that I was different. I didn't want to be different. And that stems from childhood. A lot of people see a big personality when it comes to me, but I never wanted this. From a young point in my life, I knew I had a big flame and I wanted to dim it down all the time because I just wanted to fit in and be normal. So it was hard. It's been something that that I just had to, as a dancer, I had to be like, okay, I know you're Latin, Miguel, but you're not the leading man. You are not the heartthrob, which was a hard pill to swallow. You know, what's funny about that pill <laughs> that you'll never be the leading man is that Add a couple years, add a couple probably hugely transformative experiences, you know, getting to know you moments. And what I see now as you've evolved as a creator is you placing yourself in leading roles in your work. I see you as a leading man. You've made way for yourself to be that for yourself without waiting for the industry to say, we're looking for a big flame as the leading man. We're looking for a gay Mexican man to be a leading man. This is this falls under the heading. Um, I like to call it anyways, instead of fake it till you make it, you make it till you make it. You just well, make that. the work that you want to be doing. Yes. And it came out of default. Explain. I was annoyed that I wasn't getting casted. Ah. I was annoyed that I wasn't being put in the roles that I should have been put in. So like you said, I had to put it in, I had to put myself in them, but it felt, it wasn't as glorious of a feeling at first. It felt like a, like a bootleg version of what I really wanted, which was the Janet video and me next to her, or which was the Britney video and me next to her, mm -hmm. you know, but what the f was I supposed to do? Wait, I couldn't, I couldn't anymore. The artist in me was at a point where it was either create your art or go nuts. Wow. I, you know, that might have, that might be the title of this episode. Create your art or go nuts with Miguel Zarate. <laughs> I love check, that. Check it. I do too. And you know what's awesome is that I perceive your style as having an element of urgency, but you are so cool. So mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, I want to talk about in, in my experience of the commercial industry 
we'll talk specifically about the music industry. A lot of my earlier work was dancing for pop stars. Mm -hmm. And I perceived the king and queen of that world were cool and sexy. If you were a male, you needed to be cool. And if you were a woman, you needed to be sexy. And the palettes that painted both of those two worlds, the cool and the sexy, were very limited. Oh, like, there was no spectrum. It was no spectrum in there. Quite black no. and white. And it's 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 getting quite a bit more colorful now. But I really felt that I had to flick my hair a certain way or boost my boobs a certain way or cinch my waist a certain way. And I had, you know, I talk about him a lot on this podcast. I had an acting teacher. I was in an acting class and I was did a scene where I, I, maybe I was playing, I think I was playing a hooker in this scene, <laughs> which is hysterical. Like me being a hooker is about as believable as Julia Roberts being a hooker, which worked for her. So it did. Yeah. I look at it now and I was like, that was so Disney. But I so love it. So Disney. That would but that's be a real hooker. But that's pop, right? Yeah. That's pop. She was the di- digestible bite. Anyways, I was sitting in that chair and somehow we became talking about womanness and things. And um, I, I opened up about my experience on tour, which was feeling less woman than the other girls because of, you know, how much attention they got or how good they were in their heels or how small their waist was or how big their boobs were. And my acting teacher, Gary Imhoff, thank you so much for reminding me of this. He said, boobs are boobs, Mm. elbows are elbows, skin is skin, hair is hair. They don't have anything that you don't have. You don't have anything that they don't have. When it comes to the physical anatomy between you and this woman standing next to you, those are the same parts. I'm, again, I'm still very much learning. My identity is woman it happens to be how i was born and i've wrestled and embraced it differently throughout my career as a commercial industry dancer but that was a hugely pivotal moment for me when i realized there's no like difference between sexy hair and my hair like hair is hair hair is hair my skin is my skin my loving myself and my enjoying myself is what makes something sensual or sexual so i want to talk about sexuality that's where we're going that is what's up okay um number one i just kind of a broad and baseline question do you consider your work sexual a hundred percent (laughs) i i am driven by sex ever since i was little that is why i'm dancing my work my identity even my movement from a young age was always sexually based which is why i gravitated towards madonna and janet early on because their work was too so i felt seen i was like oh i want to do that i want to express that um for a lot of people sex is shocking and for me it's refreshing so it it inspires me it doesn't shock Mm. it inspires me so yes to answer your question bluntly all of my work is inspired by sex. That makes total sense. Um, now, the question that I that I wanted to ask on this same subject is around this notion that if you haven't had sex, you don't know how to be sexy. 
And I think a lot of teachers will say the opposite. They'll say, you don't have to have sex to be sexy. And there's a lot of confusion, like there's a lot, there's mixed messaging around this. I would love to get your take on sensuality and sexuality and how that manifests in movement. I do believe that uh, dance is, is movement. So I don't necessarily believe that you need to have sex to move your body in a sensual way. I think that should be taught through your dance teacher, um, through moving your hips, through your culture. Mm-hmm. What I will say is that once I had sex, my movement did grow. It did, it did take on a whole nother spectrum of, of feeling and the way I emoted it. And I think it's because it stemmed from a personal experience. It was no longer me mimicking a move or mimicking a feeling. It was me now actually touching base with something I had experienced and felt firsthand and now implementing it into the movement or into the phrase. I think I agree. To me, the biggest difference is that sensual and sexual are different. They are different. I think sensual is feeling. Yes. Yes. And I think from a dancer, that is what I'm really asking. When most people say I want it to be more sexy, I think what they mean is I want it to feel different or I, I want it to feel something else. So I think maybe as educators, myself included, something I'd like to change my language around mm-hmm. is this notion of dancing sexy with the idea of sex in mind or being a sexual object or being even a sexual person, I think we can just be people that feel ourselves. Absolutely. I, I want to be, I want to be honest. I always use sensual, the word sensual. Mm -hmm. Rarely do I use the word sexual unless it stems into sexuality. But when I'm teaching and I'm doing a move, I always say it needs to be sensual because I believe that sensuality is inviting and it's not, though dance is for us, it's for an audience. So you want to invite your audience into what you're doing. So if it's a sense, if it's, if it's sexy, it needs to be sensual in order for it to read and come off sexy. But I use the word sensual or hot, like make it hot, you know, like not spicy enough, hotter. I want you to be hot. Like take the leg out in Tandu and really take the leg out, like you know, spicy. Spicy, hot. Cool. So I, we talk a little bit about the spectrum and the palette that we use to paint sexy or or sexual or sensual. Um, I prefer otherness, and this is because I got bored of the palette that was Mm. offered and that I was painting with, Um, Mm -hmm. and I started really enjoying otherness and I and and boldness, and I see you as representing both of those. Um, How do you? paint like how the colors that you have are Mm -hmm. bright bold and it sounds like they're coming from they're deep in you you said that you've been this way since you were a kid so how might you encourage someone who hasn't felt in touch or driven by sexuality to paint with a broader spectrum i think you have to be honest with yourself first like if you're not if you don't enjoy painting sexually then you don't have to your work can stem from something else. You know, it doesn't have to be sexy in any sense of the way. I could look at your work and think it's harsh mm. or think it's silly or fun or charismatic or unique. 
Um, but I make a conscious effort to paint with sexual brushes because that's what inspires me. Now, mm-hmm. if you feel like there's a sexual being inside of you that you want to release, I do think, I and this might sound like whoa, but I do think you have to dive into the world of sex. So I think allowing yourself to have the type of sex that you want to be inspired by in real life helps. I am a gay man and I have great gay sex. And I have it because it fuels a lot of my scenery in in my films. I want to, I know the sex isn't real on camera, but I want to try to produce as real of sex, gay sex that is, um, that I experience in real life on film. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like, I think putting yourself in that world as a human before you put yourself in the world as an artist. Mm-hmm. Yo, I'm so glad you said that. Um, I've been working lately, uh, just over the last two years, I've designed and created programs for graduating seniors only. So mm-hmm. the they may be graduating from college or from high school, either one. At that point in your life, I think the next steps, even if you're crystal clear on what you want to do in the long run, you mm-hmm. don't, you're not crystal clear on where you put your foot next. I love working with this demographic. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that comes up a lot when we discuss auditioning or mock auditions is that if these dancers are interested in a career in entertainment or the industry, as we'll call it, because sex sells, it will almost certainly come up once or twice. And you're right. I love that. I love that you just brought up that there is other than sex. Like we talked about the range of the spectrum of sexy colors, but in work, there is also, there's plenty else to paint with, right? There, yes, as you mentioned, absolutely. there's silly, there's fun, there's scary, there's grit, yeah. there's, you know, all the colors. But if you are engaging with the entertainment industry, it is likely that you will need to be attractive at some point. And yeah. I'll say attractive, absolutely. not sexy. Yes, um, have to, 100%. And, 100%. And you can't be ugly and be on film unless it calls for that. And when I'm saying ugly, I don't mean like, I don't find, it's not a taste. It's not a, oh, she's ugly. Like a four equals ugly, a 10 equals hot. It's not that. It's you that? finding yourself hot. When I dance, I'm not, when if I go to a gay bar, I'm not the cutest. Like I'm not stereotypically cute. I have really hot friends. So when we all go to a gay bar, they get picked up on more. Cool. I understand why I'm not taking it. I'm not taking it to heart. Like, but when I dance, I'm the sexiest mother ever because I believe it. Because when I dance, I ooze it. It is real. Yeah. Yes, I get it. I get it. And I'm so glad that you said that. And there's something I do want to ask this question. Yeah. I think what you're touching on is paramount. The thought I am hot comes before feeling attractive and comes before anyone else will find you that way yes 99 percent of the time i can't i i try not to talk in absolutes because i'm sure there are examples of the of, of yeah there's that point alternative right, right. Um, but i think specifically for young people who are finding themselves in their sexuality mm-hmm. and finding and their finding their palette yep. that they want to paint with they they feel and they're not making this up. I mean, I remember my agent telling me that I needed a sexier headshot. Yes. Oh. Like I that that was required. Yet, yet 
oh gosh. Yet, when I when I tried to be the color of sexy that they were asking for, I looked miserable. I yeah. looked so unconfident. I looked so insecure. I looked afraid. And to me, mm. fear is like the kiss of death in an audition. Yeah. It is not an attractive quality other than sometimes like a scared dog I want to care for, <laughs> but I do not want to hire and put on stage behind Justin Timberlake. Fear no. is not the color that you want to paint with at the audition or in your headshot, like the way you're putting yourself forward. And I, I love the notion of finding yourself attractive and knowing where that comes from. For you, it comes from movement or dress or styling. Yeah. Um, I used for, to get in trouble for wearing an outfit to auditions because when I used to audition, you would wear like rehearsal clothes, like like baggy ass uh, t shirts, and I would come in full on denims with no stretch because there was no stretch in a denim in two thousand six. I would mm -hmm. like let's keep it real, and there was no Urban Outfitters also in the two thousand six. So I would go to thrift stores and find really unique individual pieces, and I would wear them specifically to these auditions because I felt the most me. And when you feel the most you, you present your best self. And I needed to present the entire fantasy because I was trying to get hired. You know what? For the most part, people behind the people behind the table don't have an imagination. Very rarely do they I have say it all the time. I say yeah, it so all the time. If you don't feed them your product, they're not gonna think, oh, we can shave his head and in wardrobe he'll look the part. No, you gotta come as the part because they don't have a lick of imagination. So I would come in these clothes. Sorry, I'm cursing too much. I would come in these clothes, full on outfits, and people would look at me nuts. Like, what is he doing? But once they saw me dance, they were like, oh, actually he dances like what he dresses like. Now, now whether I was right for that job or not, I presented who Miguel was. Yes. And hopefully that led to another job that suited me. But right. I was unwilling to dress like everyone else was dressing and not to rebel, but because I needed to put my best foot forward. Mm -hmm. And that was my best foot forward was to present as close of an image of who I was. Thank you for that. Thank you for being an example of that. Yeah, it's very welcome. encouraging. And it's, it's contrary to what a lot of people are taught and told, which is fit in, fit in, fit in. Um, there, there are many instances where as you mentioned as your little boy self that's all you want in the world is to just fit to fit in with the cool kids or to fit in with the booking kids or to fit in yeah. with the and you want to do all the thing you want to get your headshot by the person who did their headshot you want to sure. and i i get strategy i get strategy but i feel singularly i feel like uh, one one special snowflake and so you, you know what's amazing too when i watch your work I see someone doing that and it makes me not want to do that, not want to fit into your world, but to go create my own. Okay. So that's, that's, all, that's the only thing I want people to receive from my work is the, really? is the, yeah, is the permission to do them, not the permission or the desire to want to be part of my world, unless you really do. Right. And, and if you fit in great, awesome, let's connect. But all I want people to see is like, damn, he is so himself. That is so inspiring. I want to be myself. That's all I truly want from, from my audience when they look at me. So then I think based on that, I think I know the answer to this next question, but 
it seems like you work with the same group of people a lot. Like you have your your tried and true. Yes. What is it that you look for in, you know, your team? Okay. That... I'm very specific on that. Let's go. Let's hear it. First of all, I stole this idea from Andy Warhol. I'm obsessed with Andy Warhol from a young age, like early, early high school. I was introduced to Andy Warhol and it changed my world. And he had superstars. So, so I was like, mm, if I, if I have personalities around me that people get accustomed to, they become famous as I become famous. So it's like a brand, you're branding yourself. I'm big on branding too. What I look for in a dancer is an individual. I don't need you to be clean. You're obviously going to be clean because you're an amazing. Okay, let's be. Hold on. <laughs> okay, normally. Okay, you have to be a phenomenal dancer. Number one. Number one, because I pride myself in the art form. I love dance, and I will not back down from that. I love movement, and I love dance. And there is a bar, and there's a bar because we're calling. Uh, we're calling. Uh, ourselves professional dancers it's not dancer it's not fun it's no no girl professional professional dancer so there's a bar so first and foremost you have to be at my bar at my level of dancing period period second you have to have a look if you can't stand alone if we can't walk into a party and the attention goes to you and not just to me i don't need you next to me you need to be a star you need to be able to pull focus because when i walk into a room i pull focus and i'm not trying to have an entourage i'm trying to have a group i'm trying to have the spice girls i need every to play their part so i don't need you next to me if you're not gonna be something else besides me because i am the only miguel so you need to be the only Brooke, or you need to be the only dana or you need to be the only boy boy you need to be the only denzel you are no use to me creatively if you're not gonna bring you. So that's the second thing. Third thing, I need you to f have a fully established look. I need you to be someone. If you're the hot blonde bimbo, I need you to be the hottest <laughs> blonde bimbo ever. If you're the most emo kid in the planet who only wears black and has the heaviest eye makeup, I need you to be that person all the time. Like, I need you to know who you are and what, and like, you need to have a look. You need to have an identity. I, I'm not the best at building dancers. I need self already. The, the self of the dancer needs to be already fully established. You know, it's I'm funny. I'm, I'm going to call you on this. This is yeah. a perfect remodeling of this audition scenario that you just created. The person on the other side of the table, A, might not have any imagination at all but what's likely is that they don't have time or budget to turn you into whatever it is that's the world they want to create they're waiting for someone to say i'm the world your sure. spaceship wants to stop off on this planet yes so you you're not interested in building a world you're looking for aliens from other planets to come like take a, a space ride with you yes the only counter argument to that is that at my age till this day i still teach a weekly class so if Work. you really want to be a part of my planet i will mm. train that fully so if you come every week to my class and i see that you really want it oh i'll start laying in on you like change that that should not be your hair do this like don't ever make that choice that's not who you want to be because that's not what you're presenting 
it sounds harsh what I'm saying. Like, I look for this, and if you're not already made up, then I'm not going to work with you. But mm -hmm. I'm also holding an audition every week in my class. So if you really want to work for me, I'm giving you the opportunity. It took me three years of religiously taking Tavares' class three times a week at Edge to dance for him. I was unwilling to not dance for him. And it was at a time where he was not working like that. There was no jobs. And the first time he asked me to dance for him, I had, I had gone to his class religiously three years. And it was like a little, a little rinky-dink mustache Monday's performance. It wasn't even real. It wasn't even for a real artist. And I had a teaching gig that weekend for four grand. And I lied and canceled it. I lost out of $4,000 to dance on a little rinky-dink stage with Tavares because that was my goal, was to finally dance for that man. What I love about what you're talking about now is like, you started this call saying that you have many different mediums. And then we start talking about paintbrushes and all the things. And what I am hearing from you is that you fully do things differently. You direct differently than you teach. Like when you're assembling a team around you, you're looking for fully embodied characters, a cast and crew of wild and outrageous talent. Yes. Yet when you're a teacher, you're shaping, you're guiding, you're mentoring, you're maybe even like parenting in some situations, yeah. like in that tough love type of type of way or styling even like beyond. And when you're a dancer, you also are different. Yes. It, it, and I love multi. I think it's true that we can be different in different places. Yeah, I mean, we should be or else life would be is so boring. Mm -hmm. like, and that's what's weird too is that I feel like lately, especially during the pandemic, like people hold you to a certain standard and, and like, no, Miguel, oh, Miguel does this. No, no, girl. Miguel gets to decide who what Miguel does. And Miguel does a lot of different things at different times around different people. In different and, ways. And like Dana, like you're my real friend. So you get the best side of me. And I don't own I don't owe the best side of me to everybody. So I don't need to be the Miguel that I am with Dana, who's my real friend, who who goes back 10, 10 years deep. Mm -hmm. As when I meet the girl who's in my class the first first uh time. You know, it's like People feel like you need to be Miguel consistently. No, I don't need to be Miguel consistently. I need to be uh, honest with Miguel and the people that I'm Miguel around. This is nice. This is not one of here's one of my favorite things that I'm learning right now is the this idea of a false dichotomy, which means like A or B. Like you can either yeah. be consistent or not be consistent. And I think that's a lie, number one, which let me give me a moment to back this up. Like I decide what the values are in which I think consistency is important. Yes. I think responsibility, it's important to be consistently responsible. I think it's important to be consistently honest. I don't think it's important to be consistently happy. I don't think it's important to be consistently kind to you, actually. Because I, I do, I love kindness. I like try to lead uh, with kindness, yeah. but I don't need to oblige consistently. And I think it's it's important to say like, oh no, I can value consistency without always being something. Yes, 100%. Cool. There's no argument against that. I feel the same way. Sweet, I love yeah. this. Um, I love okay, well, I wanna dive into um, kind of, we've talked about your films and your way of 
creating worlds and creating art, which is in many different modes, right? Sometimes it's as a dancer, sometimes it's as a dancer in a piece that you choreographed that you also directed. Um, and I marvel at your video work. I marvel at it. It is all of the things that I love. It's bright, it's bold, it moves quick. It's got exquisite talent. Um, and I'm just curious, Carol, over here wanting to know how in the heck do you pay for all of your productions? <laughs> because I'm looking at this like, holy smokes, this is like cinema scale work. And you produce often. Do you, How often would you say you, you make like... Depending on the year, I make about between two to five films a year, depending okay. on the year and how I'm feeling. Okay. And do you self, are they self-funded? Is there a grant somewhere? Do you like yeah. kickstart oh, no. them all? No, no, <laughs> no. I have too much ego to do any of that. Um, I'll pay for it a hundred percent. It comes out of my pocket. Okay. And I learned early on that if you pay for it, you can, you can be a bitch about it. I can be like, no, that's the wrong edit. No, that's not what we agreed on. I paid for it. You can't, mm -hmm. there's no arguing. Mm -hmm. I paid for it. This was the agreement. You do it. So mm -hmm. early on, I, um, I learned that. But no, I self-produce and fund everything. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to keep it real, too. Like, I'm Mexican. I'll find a bargain right away or I'll make work that should not be working. I'll make it work. It's, I'm an artist. It's part of the artist's life until I get fully funded, which is always the dream. It's, it's still, I'm pushing 40 and it's still the dream to get funded, right? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. of course there's ways, there's grants, but then there's so much, you have to give so much to that grant and so much to those people. And yeah, and they, they, they come with their own requirements, you know, fulfilling your, fulfilling your responsibility in that role is similar to fulfilling the responsibility to Target if you're you yes. know, choreographing a Target commercial. You're, you're, you're answering to someone. Yes. Mm -hmm. and. I learned early on that I just don't do well with that unless it's a real job. When it's a real job, I'm the best team player on a real job. But honey, this is not a real job. This is Miguel's world. So no. not a real job. Miguel's yeah. world. Alternative yeah. title to the episode. <laughs> um, okay. So that answers a, a lot of my questions. It okay. sounds like you come from a place of like, Better to ask forgiveness than permission. Oh, you know, that's my motto. Act Is it now, really? <laughs> yeah. Act now, apologize later. <laughs> okay, yeah. so that makes sense. That comes across. Yeah. Um, and you pay for your work, which means you pay your people. Yes. Have you come to find that, like, you get what you pay for? Are there instances where you're like, damn, mm. that looks like crap. I wish I had X. Or... I mean, there, there's videos that I've never released because they're not up to par. Uh -huh. And I spent money on them and they're not up to par, so I won't release them. And I'm going to be blatantly honest too, um, because I feel like there's no shame in this, but I never, I never pay my dancers, mm. but I provide for them deeply um, in every way. I provide for them creatively. I provide for them like with food and housing. If we're traveling somewhere, I provide for them in many other ways. Mm -hmm. And I get many phone calls and or text messages from, from people in this business who are way higher than me i'm not going to mention any names but they always ask me how did you get that person to dance for you i just had a real job and they and they turned it down or mm. how did you get this person on on your film and without sounding like like an egotistical maniac it's because it's me it's because the product is right every time and i don't just come with like 
horrible wardrobe and horrible steps. It's like it's all elevated. It's all lifted. They're in full-on costumes, which I pay for. I'm not like, well, what's in your closet? I'll make it work. No, if I want everybody in chaps, I have to figure out how to put all eight boys in chaps. I guess what I'm trying to say is is that I don't pay that part. So I want to be honest with everybody because I'm not one to be like, I pay everyone. I don't pay okay. everyone. I don't pay my dancers. Okay. I so appreciate transparency. Of course, you have to be. <laughs> so my my question is, as somebody who's come up through ranks and chunks of working for free, yeah, which I think is common but not critical like i don't think our world has to function that way mm -hmm. um my question is do you see any harm in doing it that way it sounds like you're confident in your decision to do it this way you yeah. think that the people who are working for you coming are coming out on top when they yeah. engage in this transaction with you do you see any harm in it or do you see that like oh no this is it this is the way um no because i'm asking a question and they have the right to say yes or no i'm not forcing them to dance for me i'm posing the question i'm doing a new film um, I would love for you to be a part of it. This is what's happening. I, I, I send them the treatment of the film. Like, do you want to be in this yay or nay? And they could respectfully say nay, and I'm not going to be holding a grudge about it, you know? And if my dancers who I want to use have a real job, I understand it. And when I work around their schedule, and I don't take it personally if they can't commit to my project. Mm -hmm. But because of the longevity of my work, I have built a family. I'm, and once you've created that relationship with them, look, we do stuff and we get paid and we get no camera time. And camera time matters as a dancer. You're putting so much work and, and literally you just see like a flash of my head after I busted my ass in a week of rehearsals, eight hour day rehearsals, and there's no shot of the dancing. Mm -hmm. So there has to be a legacy for you as a dancer and as a performer. And I provide that with my work. I give full-on shots to my dancers of them dancing, and I celebrate them as individual artists, not as Miguel's backup dancers. As artists, they're as integral to the to the to the film as I am. There is not. It's just my name. My name comes first because I'm the one producing, creating, directing, choreographing. But that is not. That is not. They they matter. They matter a lot. Without them, it'd be a bunch of solos. So I remind them every day how important they are to me. I don't like the future promise of like, you'll be paid someday. I think that no. that is sneaky and conniving and terrifying. But I also, <sighs> here's what I'll say about that. Yeah, tell me. I, I think that art yes. is like the highest luxury that there is. I mean, sure, there are vehicles and shoes and purses. But to make and to own art, you mm. have to have money. Yes. And I think that that's the difference in some ways between art and dance, because I think that to dance is, is human. Yeah. I don't even yeah. need music to do it. I just need my body Work. and some a space larger than a coffin, maybe. Although I, I have a very animated <laughs> face. Would be really bad. Yeah. I could get I could my face could get down. Um, <laughs> but I I want dancers to be among the highest paid artists that there are same that's the world that i would love to live in and then of course i would also love while we're at it while we're like rubbing the lamp for our <laughs> wishes i i would love like across the board if you are a professional dancer dancing in a professional work which does suggest that that work will be making money mm -hmm. that you are absolutely paid undeniably yes um 
do these films of yours make money? They do not. Zero. There's no monetization on them. And, and, you know, I don't really get work from them either. It's all just street. Uh, so you think. Those, 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 right. those puppies are money in the bank. People see them. People, I'm not yes. saying that people don't see them, but girl, let's keep it so real. For the most part, all my videos are within like 5,000 to 30 or 40,000 views. That is not a lot of views in the world we live in today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. People are, people are in the, I've never had a video that's ever gone viral, ever. But I'm not making the video to go viral. I'm not making the video to make money. I'm making the video so that when I die, I have an honest legacy behind me. And not one where they're like, he was in that music video. Did you see his forehead? No, girl. That's a Miguel production. That's Miguel. You know, so. And, how, and how does that feel? How does that feel? Amazing. amazing because I could die peacefully knowing that. Because I did the best that I could with the money that I had under the circumstances that I lived in. And that's your responsibility as an artist. To do the best work that you can do with the circumstances that you've been given. And I'm doing the best I can do. And until then, this is what's gonna keep happening. Now, the second I get even $10,000 to make a film, you'll see, you'll see a $10,000 worthy film. And I know they look like they're like 25, 35, 45, $50,000 films, but they're not. Well, this is one of the things I love about a budget is that in my opinion, anyways, that type of restraint really enhances creativity. Yes. As soon as you have all the money in the world, you start getting lazy with the choices. You yeah. start like, okay, yeah, sure, we can do that. We can do it like that. You know what's funny? And uh, and I, I mean, I don't know how to not keep it real. And you're my real friend. So we're just li literally just talking. The real oh, Yeah. <laughs> um, the second I get a budget, guess who's getting it? The dancers who have never been paid for me. You know, like my, the second I get a budget to do a, a real Miguel film, not a job that Miguel's working on as a choreographer, but a real Miguel film and there's legit budget, they get paid immediately. I've always known that. And the second I could put them on a real job, they're the first people I call. But if the spec doesn't call for them, then I can't use them. Um, but they're always my, my top priority is my Okay, film. so what, this might be a tough question to answer. Yeah, no what makes it legit? What is it a certain sense? number? Is it a, is it that the number is coming from Lionsgate or Warner Brothers? Like in your mind, when you say as soon as it's legit, the money's going to them. What What is that point? As soon as someone's like, here's a hundred million dollars, do whatever you want with it. A hundred million is your, your legit marker? No, but even 10, I've never spent more than five grand on a film. So if oh. someone, if Dana Wilson was like, here's a check for $10,000, no strings attached. All mm -hmm. I want is for you to create a film with this money. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, amazing, they're getting paid. They'd be the first where the money goes. And I would still use, I would probably match your 10 grand of my money. Do you right. know what I'm saying? So that yes. everything else gets taken care of, but they would be getting paid. Okay. I wanted to jump out here to invite you to answer this question as well. If you are a person who's producing your own video work and telling yourself that you'll pay your team once the money's legit, I hope that you're asking yourself, what makes it legit? When will it be legit? Because legit is so subjective, right? Some of you may be listening to this thinking, dang, 5K for a personal project? That is legit. So when is the money enough to pay your team, your crew, your dancers, your camera? 
Is it a dollar amount? Is it where the money is coming from, like a source outside of yourself? What makes it legit to you? Take a second and roll around with that uh, as we roll on out with Miguel. I appreciate your fire. Thank you so much for sharing it with us today. I I really could talk to you forever. Um, I would also love to like honor and create a space for us to do that off the air. Yes. So for yes. now, I will wrap this up with a little bow and say thank you so much for being here and for sharing. I simply adore you. You're welcome so much. I'm your biggest cheerleader. And um, you've inspired me more than you know. Uh, from a, from an early beginning in our careers. And I applaud you, I applaud your work. I applaud the way that you've paved your way. I've, I've seen you for a long time and to finally get to see you on stage with Justin being you was, was remarkable. It truly was, it truly Thank was. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, I appreciate that. Big, <laughs> big love, big love to you. Squeezing virtual hugs and someday real ones. Yes, soon. Oh, so soon. Okay, love you. Bye. Be right after this. Bye. Well, my friends, what do you think? Were you challenged? Were you stoked? <laughs> did you catch fire? Did you feel hot? I know that I did. I loved being reminded of my sensuality my ownership of feeling and feeling good about myself. So I hope that you take that feeling, all of that heat, and get out into the world and keep it very, very funky. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Me again. Wondering if you ever noticed that one more time almost never means one more time. <laughs> well, here on the podcast, one more thing actually means two more things. Number one thing, if you're digging the pod, if these words are moving you, please don't forget to download, subscribe, and leave a rating or review because your words move me too. Number two thing, I make more than weekly podcasts. So please visit thedanawilson.com for links to free workshops and so, so, so much more. All right, that's it now, for real. Talk to you soon. Bye.